This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Hello, welcome to another episode of the 15 Minutes of Football podcast in association with Transfer News Central and Big Heads Media. The tagline slightly changed. It's, it's uh, Every topic is in around 15 minutes. Uh, instead of 15 minutes or less, because that didn't really work. Uh, what, there's no point in curtailing good discussion. As I have said a million times, 60-minute makeover wasn't actually made in 60 minutes. And if you believe that, you're a fool. Anyway, joined by... Uh, joined by We've got a bit of a retro feel there, because we've got George, and we've also got James. So it's like blast, blast <laughs> from the originals. And we've got Jordan, who stinks of, you know... Not being very original and just cliches. Amazing. Uh, amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. You can't you can't beat the old guard, you know. You there you go. There you go. Well <laughs> in, James. Well in. I actually I was actually watching Cats Countdown takedowns, but none of those were appropriate for this. So uh, I can't, <laughs> can't get away with that. Can't get away with Jimmy Carr's uh, put downs. So uh, we'll go with uh, we'll go with that. We'll go with a bit of a, a PG rated uh, in opening. Anyway, four big topics. One of them's changed. Uh, we're just going. Uh, to record this literally 15, 20 minutes after it's been announced that Sergio Aguero will, live Man- will leave Manchester City in the summer. Probably uh, the worst kept secret, I think, uh, in a while, because I think everyone saw it coming. Uh, still, the fact that it's been announced now leaves a bit a, a discussion to be had, I think, on just where he ranked overall in terms of uh, Premier League strikers and, and, and I suppose where he goes from here and where Man City go from here. Um, and the rest of the focus generally will be international-based, um, largely focused around England, particularly who we think Gareth Southgate might pick for his 23 in the summer. After all, he said he already knows he's 11 for the Croatia game, the first game of the European Championships for England. And then we'll have a look at some of the other contenders for, for the Euros, some of the t- teams that we expect to do well. And we'll see how they've been getting on recently and we'll see what we think of them as far as a, a European uh, force goes in, in, in Euro 2020 in 2021 because it's called Euro 2020. Topic number one, Aguero. It's been announced, it's official and instant reactions. Literally, it's your instant reactions because we don't have much on this, but we have a, probably a lot to say. James, uh, where does Aguero rank for you in terms of Premier League strikers going back to the very start in 92? Where does Aguero rank? Oh, it's diff- difficult to put him in terms of which number on the on the list he is, but there's absolutely no question that Sergio Aguero is, is going to go down as one of the the greatest Premier League strikers, um, without any question. The number of goals he scored consistently, the number of Premier League titles that he's won as well, he's played a key part in all of Manchester City's success in the last decade. Two hundred and fifty-seven goals in three hundred and eighty-four appearances. That's in all competitions, but that's a phenomenal record. Uh, in the Champions League, in the Premier League, uh, yeah, he's going to go down as one of the one of the best Premier League strikers. You know, up there with, you know, I guess the likes of Shearer and Henri and Drogba and and yeah. others. You know, many others <laughs> who yeah. uh, uh, who have been absolutely brilliant in the Premier League and really good for the English game as well. Yeah. So, uh, Manchester have already said they're going to uh, build a statue outside the stadium of him. So uh, that's uh, a sign of how much he's done for Manchester City, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And um, yeah, it's been great watching him. Yeah. 
Jordan, um, probably can't go as far back to 1992 for you. Um, sorry, James, that was hard. Uh, <laughs> but, but I realised as I said it, really. Um, but it, what, from your point of view, is he one of the greatest ever to grace the field in the Premier League, at least since you've been watching? Where does he, where does he rank for you, roughly? Yeah, well, for you and I, it's a bit different, isn't it? Because obviously we're in our early 20s and Aguero kind of came through at that point where we were just kind of really starting to get into football at that younger age. Mm. And since then, he's just really kicked on and he has been the best striker over that period mm. uh, by by a distance, I would say, yeah. as well. Obviously, there's a couple of other players that have had shorter spells where they were really, really great. I'm thinking Didier Drogba, Robin Van Persie, uh, Luis Suarez even. But yeah. Aguero's longevity is just something that you have to behold and you have to applaud. And I think that on top of that, we'll always remember back to that Aguero goal. And I think that in particular, that moment has really cemented him as one of the all-time greats in the Premier League. Yeah, thank you, Martin Tyler. Um, no, it's one of those really, isn't it, where um, I actually remember this, the Suarez 13-14 season, I think it was, and he was unbelievable. And I mean, at the time when I watched that, I thought, this guy is, he, makes, he made Aguero even look ordinary. But I think the difference really is uh, that Suarez did that unbelievable season and he was incredible. One of the best I've seen in terms of an individual season in the Premier League. But Aguero did it season after season after season after season in the Premier League. You know, he had that longevity that not many others did have. Um, and it's only really this season that it's caught up with him, I think, isn't it? Because last season he still recorded good numbers for goals. He was still heavily involved. And it's really this season where it's where it's all fallen apart for him a little bit. Uh, James, would you attribute the, I'm, I'm hesitant to say downfall, but the decline, I suppose, of Aguero at Manchester City, would you attribute that to just injuries and fitness concerns more than anything else? I think it's partly to do with that, obviously, his age. Um, I think also this season, again, yeah, there was, there's been no pre-season. Uh, Manchester City didn't have a pre-season, really. And they've had a lot of fixtures. Right, so yeah, um, and at the age that Sergio Aguero is, he probably can't play two games a week anymore uh, at Premier League level. Premier League is a very intense league; it's very physical, it's very quick, uh, and you need to be on your game to perform consistently. Uh, you know, we've seen other players who, when they get, you know, especially attackers, because attackers rely more on pace, uh, and pace always generally declines as you get older. Um, unless you're Cristiano Ronaldo, um, <laughs> uh, and he's a bit of a freak of nature. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, and so it's understandable. It's understandable that that he would decline this season. I don't think he's done as a as a as a as a top top striker. Um, I just think that yeah, his his time has come to a natural end at Manchester City, and I mean they've done brilliantly without him this season. They haven't mm. missed him at all. Uh, they've been the absolute dominant team in the Premier League without him. So uh, if they, you know, and we're getting into another part of the conversation, but if they bought a replacement for him on top of what they already have, mm. they're going to become a lot stronger. Yeah, yeah, no, well summarised. Um, I think when you look at, yeah, I think, I think you look at it from two perspectives. Next is is one really where the player will go and then one, how will Manchester City um, will go about replacing him if indeed they do? Uh, because they've actually done really well in the 
without the striker in many games, uh, playing with a false nine and a midfielder in there, and that's varied and that changes even mid-game from we've had Foden, De Bruyne, um, Sterling's done played there a few times, not quite as effective. Gundogan's popped up there, so they, they've been they've been able to interchange the midfielders to great effect with that. Um, so we'll go for Aguero first. Um, James said he's not done at the top level. Uh, two questions: Jordan, is he done in the Premier League? And if he is, does that mean he's done at the top level in terms of other European leagues? That's a tough question. So I don't think. I think Aguero, or he, he strikes me as someone that really loves Manchester City by this point, and I just I can't see him going to another Premier League team. I mean, we spoke up before the pod about maybe Chelsea, but I just I can't really see it, and I don't think that that would be a good signing for for any Prem side either, uh, particularly in his wages, his injury prone nature, and the fact he is getting older, it is catching up to him a little bit. I, I, honestly, I, I think I ca- he's been linked in the past few weeks. I can see him going to Barcelona because. It, it's definitely a tran- the kind of transfer that they would make because I, I think it's almost a bit of a mistake because of, as I say, he's got he's quite injury prone. Although he's a fantastic player, still he's quite injury prone and he's getting on. And it's just kind of the the little pitfall that Barcelona would make. And I think generally speaking, I think that his level maybe isn't at that top level anymore. And he'd maybe be, be better suited to maybe going back to Argentina or going to a club where he can play once a week and just churn out 60 minutes each time rather than trying to keep up to that top level. Agree, James? Yeah, I think so. I, I think he's better off moving outside of England. He's been offers in the Spanish league. There's the rumours about PSG. Either of those leagues would suit him a lot more because there are a lot... Mm. He'll have a lot more space. Um, you know, it's not quite as intense, not quite as physical, not quite as quick. Although they're still very good leagues, still very competitive leagues, but it would certainly be much better suited for him than staying in the Premier League. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, PSG. Yeah. So it's a thing where he goes, though. I mean, it, it depends. A lot of things depend. This summer is going to be really interesting for strikers because there's about two big clubs that all want a number one striker. So yeah. there's going to be some movement in that area. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Yeah, I um, obviously we're talking to Nichelle about this last week and he was saying with regards to Chelsea trying to get Erling Haaland, that was probably unrealistic and he had Manchester City in in, in pole position, uh, possibly with this in mind, because I'm, as I say, it's not, Aguero leaving is not, it, it hasn't really been a secret as such because we all anticipated it probably would happen given that he's out of contract in the summer, given that he wasn't playing very much and that he's, you know, largely been phased out even when, even when he has been fit enough to be in the squad. Um, but at the same time, as I've always said, really, with this, actually, since then, we, we, we've seen demands from Borussia Dortmund, apparently, of £150 million, pounds, or, or roughly, for Erling Haaland, uh, which seems odd, given that a year later, his buyout, his buyout clause is, is less than half of that figure. Um, so that, that almost makes me think, well, most any sensible club, I don't know how many of them there are about, but any sensible club, and I think I would put Man City in that bracket, will not pay that money for Erling Haaland. And Manchester City's record transfers £62 million. Um, so while there aren't that many top strikers out there who could replace the level and the calibre of, of, of a fit and firing Sergio Aguero in times gone by, Manchester City, as I've said in previous podcasts, have demonstrated that they are not reliant on any individual, not 
reliant on any striker and they have demonstrated they can play without one and, they, and if they want one they've got Jesus who's also very very good uh, underrated maybe not in the same level as a prime Aguero but certainly someone who could come in and do a really good job so should they feel pressured to replace him or should they think you know what we're bigger than any individual as this shows and as it showed when Kevin De Bruyne missed most of the uh, 1890s is and they still won the title I cannot see Manchester City paying that money no. for one player. I, I cannot. I, I can't. I mean, especially not um, the year after they got very close to being done for financial fair play. Yeah. Um, when they haven't had any stadium income this year nope. at all. So their income's down. Mm-hmm. And they want to sign three players in the summer. They want to sign, apparently they want to sign a left back and a and attack. Midfield player, so to spend 150 million on one player plus the extortionate agents' fees that would come with it because he's a Rayola client and the wages. Obviously, I mean, the wages won't be a problem for them, but no. I'm, I'm not sure I see it. Um, especially when there's other options available who are still very, very good players and would be less expensive. But that's not to say they wouldn't do it, you can't rule it out, mm. but you know, uh, and I'm sure that it'll be a, it would be a pull for. Holland, you know, with his family ties there and Pep Guardiola and being Man City what they are. But will it happen? I'm I'm not sure. I'm glad you say that, James, because I agree with you uh, and Jordan doesn't. Um, and, no, you, I... and, and Nichelle agrees. Uh, no, actually, Nichelle agrees with you. Uh, so, oh, well, originals are best, aren't they? So I suppose. 2v2. <laughs> well, yeah. I'll, I'll just quickly, I won't go into detail, but I, just, I, I think... You don't get an opportunity to sign an Erling Haaland every year. And I think that it's timed perfectly with Aguero finishing. I don't think they'll pay 150 million, but I don't think any club will this season. Mm. I think that that's maybe just kind of a media, a media thing to try and pump up the price a little bit, just to kind of raise expectations on Dortmund's behalf and Raiola's behalf. Mm. Uh, but it's, I think it's as much getting Haaland as stopping other people from having Haaland as well. Mm. And I also think that. Although although you can kind of look at the rationale of paying more this season when you could pay half the price next season, it's also then jumping the queue this season and making sure that you do land him. Because as I say, if you miss out on him, another club's going to have the benefit of Erling Haaland for potentially 10 years. Yeah. This top-level striker who's going to go on to, I'm sure, break records in terms of goals. Mm. Uh, just generally summarising, just generally some. Hey, it's about yeah, fair enough. James thinks it's a good argument. Uh, I couldn't care less, really. Um, you know, uh, so I'm just going to. He laughed. I thought you have some skin in this game, don't I? I mean, let's be honest. Yeah, yeah I'm as a Chelsea fan. I have some. I have. I have. I I agree with you. I agree with you. So, and I'm I'm non-biased, really, to be honest with you. And I I I don't see it either. That's just and I agree for the points you raised, actually. Uh, I just like to say as a really really final point on this little issue. Uh, it kind of deviated away to the early Haaland fifteen. It's not really uh, just on the Aguero thing though. Uh, quickly, uh, and it's not deny how brilliant a player he has been, but do Manchester City need to replace him like for like, or or can they get by without? doing it or about making that marquee striker signing because they're letting a marquee player go a marquee in the, in those you know in those headlines what about from both of you briefly um do they need to replace it with a marquee so man? for me i don't think they absolutely need to but i think that it makes sense to and i think they will as i say I, I, i'm i'm in the camp that they're going to get harland i just think it's going to happen so we'll see james i agree that they will replace him they will look to replace him in the squad. Mm. 
so even just in terms of numbers, they're losing a they're losing an attacking player. Yeah. So they will they will sign somebody, and it will be a very good player. Um, I don't know who it will be. Uh, that remains to be seen. But I do believe they will sign somebody. And also, if you're a top team, you always want to improve, no matter how good you are. So that's how Manchester City will look at it, and uh, they will sign somebody this summer to replace him. I'm absolutely convinced of it. Very good. Okay. Um, and yeah, and I think all all universal on the fact that Aguero is has been one hell of a player, and uh, you know, pleasure to watch him uh, on Premier League soil. Um, you know, in, in the, it from, from from our point of view, it's been great. And none of us are Manchester City fans, but hey, it's still been uh, a hell of a, it's been a hell of a ride. And uh, good luck to him in the future, whatever he intends to do with it. Anyway, uh, on to England talk. Um, really, uh, two things that came out, actually, quite recently. Um, some discussions on two England players, actually, Nick Pope and uh, and Harry Kane, and it was both about whether they should leave the club. Now, Harry Kane's was a bit different because you're looking at Harry Kane's from the perspective of winning trophies uh, and whether he would be held back by being in the club at, at Tottenham Hotspur that he is now because they are a long way away, it would seem and being able to deliver to those ambitions. Whereas with Nick Pope, it was <laughs> uh, he should leave if he wants to play for England uh, regularly because otherwise he won't play, which as a Burnley fan did, did slightly upset me, I must say. Um, a bit of football prejudice there somewhere. Um, but we'll start with Harry Kane. Um, yeah, I mean, the, this was, this is this has been going to be debated quite a lot. There's been some media talk suggesting that he isn't as happy as he was at Tottenham when he signed that six-year extension, obviously. Um, you don't sign a six-year extension, though, do you, James? I mean, no one in the right mind signs a six-year extension at a football club, given how quickly things can change. So if a Harry Kane's got to blame anyone for, for the situation he's in now, then surely it's himself, to a point. Well, yeah, I mean, a six-year contract is a very, very long contract. Mm. Uh, and, I mean, to be fair to Harry Kane, at the time he signed it, Spurs were a very, very good good side. They were in the Champions League. I think, was it just before they got to the Champions League final? Um, they were doing really, really well under Pochettino. Uh, it looked like they were going to go on and compete and win things and be in the Champions League every year. That hasn't turned out to be the case. Uh, in terms of what Harry Kane should do, from an objective point of view, I think, I think... I think he wants to win trophies. I think he wants to compete at the top level. I think he wants to play Champions League every year. I don't think he wants to play in the Europa League every year. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to leave. But he won't say that publicly, obviously, no. because of the impact it would have on the Spurs fans and everything. But uh, I wouldn't be surprised if he wants to leave. Mm. Uh, and for his career, I think it would be good for him to leave. Yeah. Because there'll be plenty of clubs that, well, need a striker. We just talked about one that needs a striker. Yep. Um, so, uh, again, but again, he would cost a lot of money, just yep. like Harlem would. But, you know, you get what you pay for. I mean, he's a, he's a world-class striker. So, uh, I think it would be good for him for his career to, to leave Spurs because mm. a player of his quality should be playing in the Champions League every year and should be competing mm. for trophies and mm. winning trophies. Mm. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, in my opinion, I, I, I think he's absolutely a world-class striker. I think, only Ronaldo and Lewandowski are better, I think, in the world than Kane. He's a phenomenal all-round performer. The issue is um, he's, his contract runs out in 2024. 
so it's quite still quite a long time left on it. He's 28 now, I think. Um, so he's sort of in the prime years of his career. When that contract runs out, he'll be in his 30s or, you know, pushing down uh, the, the, the 30 years uh, spectrum. So it's difficult because Tottenham aren't going to want to sell their best player by country mile on the cheap. And that contract is their insurance policy, in a, in a sense, that any club that wants to sign Harry Kane is going to have to pay top dollar. And other clubs are going to look at that and think, well, he's 28. We're in the middle of a pandemic. We don't have the finances that we used to have at our disposal. Can we afford to make that £100 million transfer? And if they do want to make £100 million transfer or, or, or going into those ridiculous numbers, then surely the first names on the list are maybe younger players like Mbappe, like Haaland perhaps. Is Kane, does he, does he risk being forgotten about by other clubs? who just simply can't get near him. Yeah, no, I, I think that's pretty bang on. I think that, I mean, we've already mentioned both Haaland and, and Mbappe to an extent as well. I think that they are both, uh, they're hotter property almost. They're, they're, they're the players. That it, it's gonna... an age thing though, isn't it? Because I mean, they're... Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Kane, Kane is absolutely one of the, the top. He's, I think he's better than Haaland right now. But as you say, at, at the age that Haaland is, he's, he's hotter property. He's someone you're going to look to instead. and. I'd even throw Lukaku in as someone that people might look to instead of Kane because I think he's more attainable. He's maybe a little bit less costly. I think that any top club will maybe look there rather than look at Kane. Um, As you say, I think that six-year contract has just backed himself into such an awkward corner Mm -hmm. that I don't think there's any club in the world that really is capable of getting him Mm -hmm. for the price that they would want to pay and the price that Spurs would actually sell him at. Mm. And Tottenham's in. So I, I look at that Tottenham squad, and as much as people are quick to pan Jose Mourinho, I think it's it's such a an exhausted, tired looking squad with so many holes in it. It could, I think, benefit from a large sale to reinvest that money across the board. Personally, that that could be a way they do it. The problem is, as I say, they'll still want such hefty amounts and it's whether they can get it, I think. But on the flip side, is there a possibility that Kane could stay at Tottenham and win things? Or is it just too much of a... Is it too far in the distance now? Because I think we've already had the Spurs, um, the, the the wonderful Spurs team of Maurizio Pochettino and that, that life cycle is now very much rock, hit rock bottom, really. It, it's gone. So... If Kane stays, he's going to have to go through another life cycle, isn't he, before he even gets in with a chance of the big trophies? It is a tough one. I mean, they're in with a chance of a trophy even this season. Uh, it's a slim one in the League Cup. And obviously, they're now out of the Europa League. They're not going to win the, the Premier League. Uh, they are still in the FA Cup, but it's a tough one as well in there. Sorry, they're out of the FA Cup. Everton knocked them out of the FA Cup. Yeah, it's yeah. only the League Cup, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. not looking good. Yeah, it's not looking good for Harry Kane. Is and it? also, Jordan, when it, when you mean trophies, and I know they are trophies granted, and they are, and he'd love to get his hands on one. But I think I think the trophies people talk about, the trophies, uh, the you know the big two, you know, the Champions League, the Premier League, those kind, and you know, I think obviously Carabao Cup, FA Cup, important. But are they the ones that you remember as much if you're a top end player? Or do they still have the same gravitas? I don't think they do. I think it comes to a point where any trophy is obviously something that he'll want to win. And I think that winning one of those trophies 
with Spurs right now when he's the captain and he's been there for such a long period of time, mm. I think that will maybe mean more to him than winning one trophy with Real Madrid, winning a La Liga with Real Madrid, say. But I, no, yeah, but it's a challenge it. for those trophies. I don't think he's capable of doing that with Spurs. And it wouldn't be one, would it? It'd be a, it'd be a succession because they'd probably build... If it was Real Madrid, you win trophies all the time, don't you? That's the point. Instead of the, instead of one Carabao Cup or one League Cup or one FA Cup, you're winning them consistently. I think that's the point, really, that they, that they come to. Um, with with Kane, I see, an, I see a similarity to Stephen Gerrard here. Stephen Gerrard yeah, yeah, yeah. had the opportunity to leave to join Chelsea, I think, uh, and other clubs, where he would have won more trophies. Yeah. But decided to play at Liverpool because he felt a loyalty to Liverpool. Liverpool was his club. And he actually has said many times that one Premier League title at Liverpool would have been worth three or four at any other club. So yeah. that's the choice he made. And he still won things at Liverpool, but he didn't win the Premier League. Uh, so Kane's got to make that decision. If, he, if he's going to leave, He's going to probably have to push it. Yeah. Uh, certainly, he's going to have to make clubs aware that he's available, yep. uh, so that they so that they make a bid, uh, because there would be clubs interested in him if he was available. They would. Yeah. Because yeah. of how good he. Is. And there's clubs. There are a few clubs who need strikers who have money, who would probably try if they thought he was available. No, so, sure. I mean, it's very different, as I say, to the other person on the on the camp. I mean, Harry Kane, it's leaving for trophies. Nick Pope, it's leaving to play for his country. I mean, it's quite sad, really, from uh, my point of view. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. We'll go with you again, James. Is there any legitimacy to that, really, in terms of it's you can't play for England as their number one if you play for Burnley as their number one? Is is that fair? I think with Burnley, the the, the style they play is very unique in the Premier League. Not many teams play the way that Burnley play now. Mm, yeah. uh, and I had a conversation with you about goalkeepers, England goalkeepers yeah, you before. Did. You did. Uh, and the style of goalkeepers. And, you know, Nick Pope is a very, very good goalkeeper. Yeah. But he's, we, we've talked about this before, that his distribution is not, not the best, right, mm. at the moment. Now, I'm of the theory that goalkeepers improve as they get older, that mm. a peak goalkeeper year is, is not, it's, you know, they can go well into their 30s and still be in their prime. Mm. So there's potential for Nick Pope to improve. He works hard at his game. Uh, there's lots of reports about how hard he works at his game, how he's always trying to improve and work, in his, work out his weak spots. So I, I, I still have, have the opinion that if he went to a bigger club, uh, that he could develop that side of his game that maybe has held him back from England. Uh, I don't think it's necessarily a matter of getting picked for England because he's not because he's because he's because he's at a bigger club. I think he's getting picked for England already, and he's at Burnley. Mm. Uh, but I think at a bigger club, there might be the opportunity for him to develop as a keeper mm. uh, and getting and getting experience playing in European competition, even if it's the Europa League mm. and competing at the top end. That improves you as a player, mm. and so. That would be that would be good for him, and I think he's a good enough keeper to play for a top side. Mm. I really do. I've always mm. rated Nick Pope. I think he's uh, an excellent goalkeeper, and he'd, he'd be a, a great addition to any top side. Yeah, I think I think you said you, you sort of right. I mean, I actually don't think his distribution has been too bad for England recently. I don't. I think I think the difference is Pickford's very. I've always thought Pickford's distribution and kicking is excellent. In fact, I probably probably like Pickford's kicking more than Jordan does, and Jordan's an Everton fan. And I've always said that Pickford's kicking is. His excellent distribution is very, very good. Um, but but it's something you can't really... Um, I, be, I think 
it's something you, you can't really substantially improve to the point where you get like Jordan Pickford is on the ball for, from Nick Pope's point of view. And the way I think about that is when, obviously when Pep Guardiola came to Manchester City, he ousted Joe Hart uh, almost instantly because he wasn't good enough with his feet. And he felt that you couldn't just suddenly go from being pretty average with the ball at your feet to excellent with the ball at your feet, like it, like an Edison or a Bra- Claudio Bravo would be. So from Pope's point of view, you know, I, I do agree with James on the sense that he'd probably get, he'd probably become a better all-round keeper as a result of moving to a club that challenges in Europe. But whether he can get that distribution level to a to the level that Gareth Southgate or or any top progressive manager would want, I think that's up for debate, isn't it, Jordan? Yeah. It's quite a funny one, really, because it's your opinion as a Burnley fan and mine as an Everton fan, uh, who are kind of the one and two keepers for England right now. And uh, I do agree. I, I think Pickford is absolutely world-class with his feet. I think the one question mark is his right foot is sometimes leaves a little bit to be desired, as well as his actual decision-making with his feet. Uh, I, 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 I say as an Everton fan that I think Pope is the, the best out-and-out goalkeeper that England have. And if it were solely on that, I think he would be number one. And we've been through this before. I agree with James, actually. I think that if he were to move to a bigger club and uh, and one that is maybe challenging a little bit more, his reputation would grow uh, and he would improve, just generally speaking. I think that people's perception of him would improve as well. Having said that, where would he go? Because, I mean, he could go to Spurs and challenge for trophies or uh, I'm sure there's a few other, other clubs. That was a joke, by the way. I'm sure there's a few clubs that will be looking for a good keeper like Pope, but I, I do wonder whether that idea that he isn't good with his feet is something that would stifle his, his opportunities elsewhere as well. Because, I mean, hypothetically, let's say Man City were looking for a keeper. They wouldn't go near Pope. Liverpool wouldn't go near Pope. I don't think Everton would either. I don't think any club that is playing that progressive way would go near Pope right now. All right. Well, that's fair enough. That's uh, That, that rounds that off, really. Uh, fine. That's cool with me. Um, prejudice is rife. <laughs> in this, in this uh, football that's, prejudice, no, that's not, football that's not prejudice, opinion. football prejudice, always new from you. Uh, that's just the way it is. Um, just can't be helped. Born that way. Anyway, got a really interesting. Well, I think interesting segment because I made it. Yeah, I, we everyone picks their England squad. I mean, everyone has their own idea for England eleven, but. Gareth Southgate already knows his England eleven, and he, he's already said, "Ted, what you do you know your eleven uh, for Croatia?" Yes, definitively. Before this friendly started, he knows already. So I would imagine he probably knows the majority, if not all, of his twenty-three already. I would have thought because he seems pretty convinced, seemed pretty assured before any of these. Um, I said friendlies, any of these World Cup qualifiers might as well be friendlies were played. What I think has been an interesting caveat, actually, he's actually gone to a four at the back, although this was in two games against two lower-ranked oppositions. So if he'd have gone to three at the back, he might have got pelters for that, um, to be honest with you. But I thought he was going to go back three all the time. And I still think when we go into the tournament, I think he will be going predominantly with a back three. So this section is really looking at who we think will make Gareth Southgate's England 23, so the final squad. Um, now, I've took this question literally because I thought of it. Jordan's not taking it literally because the, 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 the selections are clearly based off what he thinks. 
And James, you've got the choice whether you want to take it literally or have fun. It's up to you. Um, so, I mean, the goalkeepers pick themselves, really, don't they? Um, so we don't, I don't really want to spend much time on that. I mean, the three are obvious, aren't they? Pope, Henderson and uh, Pickford, they would yeah. have. Yeah. Well, um, I, mean, I mean, I think Pickford and Pope, especially Henderson, so long as he keeps playing, I think he will. But if he doesn't play, then maybe not. But yeah, either way, I, it's three goalkeepers and yeah. it's the first two and then one more. Probably Johnston from West Yeah, that's the, that's the other name that I'm, I'm kind of... If anyone's injured. That, yeah, that's, that's that. Um, Defence yeah. is interesting. Um, now, I don't think Alexander Arnold's going now, to be honest with you. I don't think he's going. Uh, you could argue, James, James has argued, I think way back when on one of the very first Transfer News Central podcast. Two Reece, years ago, this yeah, was. That Reese James was the best England right back available. Aging um, well, actually, isn't it? Yeah, it's, yeah well. Um, I, said to, I said that within two years yeah. he, he could be better than, than doing better than Alexander Arnold and being the England squad. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I, I laughed at at the time. I was like, because <laughs> he hasn't even played a game for Chelsea at that yeah. point. But, you yeah. know, here we are. Yeah. Um, I. I, I he will go. He will go. I mean, the, I, I think what, what we, I remember he played um, in a back three, I think against uh, a back five, sorry, as a wing back. I think he played against Denmark, I think, and Denmark won. But Rhys James was very good. You know, and, Dem- and England were terrible, but Rhys James was very good. He got himself sent off, didn't he, I think, in, in, in a game for England. Yeah, I remember that. That was really sad because he had such a good game and then he got sent off. <laughs> yeah, he did. Uh, but he did have a really good game. He did have a really good game. And, I think that he will um, he will he will go, and I think I think he'll go with Walker as well. But whether Walker's a right back or a centre back is another thing. Then you've got Trippier, who I think is also a shoe in because Southgate loves him, and he has that loyalty. I think from the World Cup with Trippier. Also, a side note with Trippier is that he's played a lot of the season as a wing back for Atletico Madrid, and if Southgate wants to use wing backs, then he's he's the guy who's who's played for his he's played a lot of for his club there, and he's played for England there, and been a World Club hero uh, in twenty eighteen. James is playing as a, a wing back as well. I remember. Well, yeah, no, I know. I, I think absolutely Trent Alexander Arnold could do the same. No, I, I'm not. Yeah, but the question isn't what you think, Jordan. It's question is what what do you think Southgate will do, and do you think Southgate will? Well, I mean, as I've put on the on on our notes, I, I think there's a core group of players that he's going to pick yeah. no matter what, yeah. and then it's the ones around that. It's who he picks out of the certain. So certain can choices. you can you tell me your defenders, please? Because you never know. I actually I, I've been having a, a play around with the graphics. I've got some really nice looking graphics. Um, so if I get that graphics board working, then you will need twenty three players to co- to accommodate this. So uh, have you? What's the rest of your defense looking like then? If you're if you're in Southgate's mind and not your mind, I know you like to be in your mind. Quite a narcissist. I'm much Cameron. preferred to be in my mind than Southgate's mind. Yes, but really, I should be the manager. But no, <laughs> no. But, anyway, but, go on. Make no, it is it is interesting because you both seem to think that he might play with the three at the back. But I just think he'll the fact that he's gone with the four in these past couple of games. I think he will go with the four going into the Euros. So, so for me, I think that as this I've, is being recorded for Poland game, where they might play three at the back. Yeah, but from the two games that we have played, he's played four. Yeah, but the two teams that we have played have been inferior to the teams we'll be playing in the Euros. So if he'd have played about three, I think he'd have opened himself up to attacks from everywhere. You say that, but he started with two DMs. No, I know, yeah. He opened himself up just as much. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know that. I, I, uh, I think he wants the flexibility to be a three or a four, um, to be honest. So it has surprised me a bit, you're right, actually, on that. 
Um, James also thinks back three. I think a yeah, bit of flexibility in there. And Walker's I, be Walker would be a centre back or a right back, wouldn't he? As as well, to be fair. I think I think in the tournament you need to have a variety of tactics formations. So mm. I don't think it's one or the other. I don't think I think that he will use different formations depending on the opposition. Yeah. Uh, the quality of the opposition, the tax of the opposition, who the opposition are. Yeah. Uh, uh, he may have a preferred formation, but I think he needs flexibility. So, yeah. Um, yeah, so I think we will play with the back three, but I think we might play with the back four in yeah. in a couple of games as well, depending on yeah. who we play. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, yeah. I think, uh, well, go on. Go, because I think Cody's been, been playing quite a bit and he, and he's literally plays in the back three all the time. So I think that's probably why he likes Cody, also for his long passing as well. Uh, gives something England something a bit different. I think Dyer might go, or Tyrone Mings. And the reason why, Ty- and I know we're all screwing our faces at Dyer and Tyrone Mings. And these aren't my picks, by the way. These are Southgate's picks. I think the thing that appeals to Tyrone Mings is he's left-footed, and, he, and he's also played in an England back three quite a few times already. So he's a naturals player on that left centre-back position because he's left-footed. He has had quite a good season with Aston Villa as well, although people would argue that Conte should probably be uh, there instead. Um, but he's not left-footed. And I do actually think that's a huge thing for him if he's thinking back three. And there's no other... I don't think any of the other centre-backs in who he picks for England are left-footed. So I think that's why he's going to do that. And Dyer's the experienced pick, isn't it? I know we both... I know we all think... I'm not sure about that, but he's... He scored the scored winning penalty against Columbia Southgate. Well, actually, we can also play defensive midfield if necessary. And and he's played um, quite a lot for Southgate. So I think Mings will go. I think Dyer might go. I think Cody definitely will go. And then you're looking at, I think Shaw and Chilwell pick themselves. And I think Stones and Maguire obviously do as well. That would be my defence then. That would be, I've just named all the people I think might go. Well, I, I mean, I think that whether he plays a four or a three, I think Kyle Walker, John Stones and Harry Maguire will play. Yeah. I think that that's almost yeah. a given. Yeah. Uh, I'd be slightly concerned about Maguire's pace in the three, although yeah. he was very good at the World Cup when he well, played. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Surely a three is designed to help people who aren't... It, it, it covers defenders more than it doesn't. Would you no, not agree? No, but he played as the left centre-back, if I'm not mistaken, mm. in the World Cup. Mm. But that's why I think... That's where your central centre back can help you out, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, John Stones isn't really blessed with that much pace, and I think that that's one v one with the wingers. I think that is something that would worry me with Maguire in that certain position. Kyle, Walker, I think of the three of those, Kyle Walker on the other side, maybe not going to help him on the wing. But I think those three will pick themselves. I think Luke yeah. Shaw would pick yeah. himself as well, yeah. because I think he's been better than Chilwell yeah. this season, unfortunately yeah. for Chilwell. But the fact he's playing every week as well is going to help him. Yeah, I think in midfield. Mm. I think, I think Declan Rice is going to play. Whether he should or not is up to be discussed. But I, I think he's going to play either yeah. way. I think yeah. he's going to be the first name in that midfield. Tell you what, I know, I know you you're sitting on the fence here because you've not actually named anyone who you think Southgate will pick. But I will go Rice, Henderson, Phillips. This is all all who I think might fit into the midfield. Rice, Henderson, Phillips, Foden, Sterling, Mount. Now I I put them there because. 
Actually, Sterling would probably be classed as a forward. You know, because you're a little bit ambiguous sometimes. What's a forward? What's a midfielder? Yeah, really? no, really. Right, I, mean. I think Grealish comes under the same category. Yeah, right? yeah, Sancho as well. I personally don't think that Grealish will make the final cut. I don't think he will. Oh, come on. I, I would. I, 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 can I just can I say, I, I think he would. I want him to. No, can, can no, I say, he will. He'll pick him. He'll pick him. All right, all right, all right. Okay, let's hypothesise he goes with his back three. Five, right? Who's going to want a number of centre backs? Yeah, which well, he picks I mean, I quite think regularly. Go with the four, but right. If he goes with about three, Foden and Grealish can't go. Madison has no chance. Um, really can't go. What? No, 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 no. Sorry, sorry. Foden and Grealish both cannot go. One of them has to not go. Honestly, you do a three at the back. You do a five at the back. How Gareth Southgate might want to play. You pick two per position, roughly, and then you get to that final end of the tree and you will find yourself in a dilemma because the front three, you say, oh, Grealish plays at left wing. So does Sterling, so does Rashford. Oh, stick him on the right. I mean, I'd argue Grealish over Rashford. Well, you, no, no, you're missing the point here. This isn't what I would no, do. No, no, no. This is what Gareth might do. <laughs> it's not me. Well, I'm in that same argument then. Yeah, Gareth is his. Sorry, Southgate. 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 It's kind of boring mantra. Yeah. He'll look at Grealish and he'll go, well, he can play as a winger if I play with a, a, a front three, or he can also drop in and he can play potentially in midfield, but maybe more as a number 10. I think he can fill both of those roles. Johnny? Yep. Uh, no, it's, um, yeah, I. <laughs> This is yeah. I, I like listen to listen. You, you're talking. You're talking about my England twenty three. I agree with this all the time. I'd, I'd be it'd be my eleven. You know he would. I, we've already said what. Or I think we did this about two podcasts ago. What we would we did, like yeah. the eleven to look like. The thing I think is he really likes Foden, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Cause Foden's a great player, uh, and Mount's not going to be dislodged. And I don't think he should be. No, um, no. So I look at that, and I think he thinks. Uh, Foden has um, creativity in him. Yeah, um, Sancho has a different kind of creativity in him, and Grealish has creativity as well. But I think Southgate genuinely believes that he has creativity in different ways. Like we saw today, if Sancho plays at right mid, uh, sorry, we saw against Albania, um, if uh, if Sancho's not at right mid, he can put Mount there, and he's got Foden in the ten. But Sancho can play at right mid, and you expect that it would be probably two wide players, Sancho, Sterling or Rashford, who occupy those wide positions with Kane in the middle, which means you've got one number 10. He's played with two CDMs, right? So this is not even using the back three system. And then who's going to fit that 10? Mount, right? Who's going to be that 10 if Mount's not there? I think Foden over Grealish. So then this is is why I... He's never given me the confidence, Southgate, that he truly believes in Jack Grealish. Too many instances, I think, I can agree with that. I can of when he's been called that. up that he hasn't necessarily felt the love of Southgate. I don't know what that's down to. Maybe it's because of his... He seems quite... not His attitude seems quite languid, but not in a bad way, but quite... He seems very, very relaxed in a different way, whereas some of the younger players look so eager to impress when they, when they go up to interviews. You could tell Foden being one of them. Um, you know, he look. He seems so desperate to run around. He seems so humble. And don't get me wrong, Grealish doesn't seem like a bad guy. But he just and the same with Madison as well. They aren't bad guys, but they've got a bit of a character to them. 
And I'm thinking, does Southgate not like that? <laughs> does he that? not like characters? No, but do you know what I mean? He it, it doesn't seem to like either of them too much because he hasn't given them much opportunity to impress him. He three doesn't. Years. I mean, he ha- I think if Grealish were fit right now, he would be in the England squad right now, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, the English squad right now is bigger than 23, isn't it? I think it's worth it. 26. It is. No, it is. It, it's tough. I, I think he goes, personally. I don't know, James? Yeah, I think he goes. I think just because a player like that can create something out of nothing. Bowden is a quality player. He's, he's improved a lot this season. He's looking really, really top class. Good attitude. Uh, can play in a number of positions. Mm. If he goes, I think he should go. But I also think Rio should go yep. as well. Um, I, do, I do, for the record. I hope, hope Circuit doesn't have to choose between them. He shouldn't. He should be, he should be picking both of them because Grealish can give you a moment of magic and create something out of nothing when you need something. So yep. say you're drawing or losing and you're going to the 90th minute, he can make something out of nothing and create you a goal out of nowhere. And every top team needs that, yep. especially an yep. international team in a major tournament. So I personally would take both. If Southgate picks one of them, just one of them, he'll probably pick Foden. Yeah. But I'm not Southgate. I don't agree with that. So, no, I, uh, um, yeah. Can I do a disclaimer as well? Every Jordan seems to be getting confused here. Uh, I'm not you're going Southgate. Hate, you're just making me hate Southgate here. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, 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 uh, just to clarify, my front three, because Jordan won't do it, but my front three uh, or, or with extra positions of what I think Southgate might pick would be something along the lines of, like you see, in a 3-4-3, three, three, you'd have Mount at right wing or right forward. I think you'd have Sancho as backup. I think you'd have Kane as the striker with Calvert-Lewin in reserve and then Sterling with Rashford as the backup on the other side. That's what I think. Uh, in a big game, I think he'll go 3-4-3. Three, three. Uh, Pickford, Walker, Stones, Maguire, James, Rice, Henderson, Shaw, Mount, Kane, Sterling. That's what I think he'll go for in, if he had to pick in, his big, in a big game later on. And... That with that system in mind, and granted we play different systems. And the fact he did two CDMs against Albania when he could have been a bit more offensive and played a bit more of a box to box there, I think Grealish is worth missing out. It's not sorry, that was badly phrased. Grealish could be the one to miss out because if it's between him and Foden for that final creator spot with Mount guaranteed a place as the as the main creator, then I think it will be Mr. Grealish. And if that doesn't sell a podcast, I don't know what will. Anyway. We've just gone to the final final section. The one thing we can't conclude from that last segment is that I should be the England manager. No, 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 no. I actually it, support that. No, yeah. you're not. You're not. The, you're not the manager at your workplace, Jordan. So I think England's <laughs> England's England's a tough place to go right now. Um, final one then, really, just sort of a, just sort of a look at who we like to do. This. I mean, I like to think about other nations. Um, from time to time in terms of when we're going to the Euros and, and how they're doing it. And you're right, actually. And and we we all said off air, and I will and I and I fully back this up, that the international break's actually a good time to recharge because I we've watched a lot of football. I think we've all watched a lot of football and it has been a bit exhausting. And even when I watch England through the qualifiers, World Cup qualifiers, I do it half heartedly because, you know, some of the some of the opponents that that, that England plays I mean, I'm actually of the of the mindset that you know these smaller teams. It, it's it's such an honour for them to play a bigger team. I mean, it's one a story to tell a grandkid. So I'm not I'm not necessarily one for you know slamming them too much, but you know I think it's a time for us all to recharge. And then we can't really put too much emphasis on these qualifiers because a lot of the big teams play a lot of small teams, and 
it can be difficult to really analyse where teams are at. But ahead of the Euros, there's a lot of teams in contention really for the for the for the trophy at the end of it all. Um, where where are we looking? Um, because everyone, a lot of people seem to go in with England, and I always seem to sort of go, yeah. Even with all the talent we've got, there's still so many other countries with stacked full of talent, you know, from head to toe. Um, and who stands out for you? Apart, I mean, France, obviously, but anyone else who catches your eye head of the big one? For me, Portugal is is the other yeah. the other team that I think have enough talent that, that they can cause problems for any side. I mean, I say that having with them having drawn just now against Serbia with a pretty much full strength team. But I think that player for player, you look at that Portugal side and they have quality all over the pitch and then they have true, true difference makers in Bruno, Bernardo and Cristiano Ronaldo. In those three players alone. Jao Felix. Um, Jao Felix coming off the bench. You've even got Bernardo Silva as well uh, and Diogo Jota. I yeah, think that, yeah. He said Bernardo Silva twice. Uh, I think I'm, that's how good he is. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you look at that that level of talent they have, and I think that they can cause any side problems. And I think that they could be a team that could do well this summer. Uh, I mean, I can carry on with that. I remember I was I was looking at the depth that Portugal have, and even though in the first eleven, it's excellent. Rui Patricio is actually a very good goalkeeper, has uh, been for many years. And then you just going out from him, you've got uh, a brilliant battle at right back between Ricardo Pereira and João Cancelo. Uh, you know, Guero from capable of playing at left back as well. Yeah, Guero as well from uh, Dortmund also could play left back. Um, Diaz, Pepe, um, and then you go a bit in good form as well. Yeah, you go a bit further forward as well. Uh, Jao Moutinho, Ruben Neves, Cavalio, never really fulfilled his full potential, but still a very uh, combative defensive midfielder, no doubt. Um, at PSG as well. Yeah, so good side, good side, great side. Um, and and as you say, with Cristiano up top, you know, they, they, they can really benefit i suppose from his experience in, and, and and a few players experience because a lot of good young talents there as well echo those for thoughts shares really with portugal i mean they were very unlucky recently because ronaldo scored at the death didn't he and it was and it wasn't given because of mm-hmm. no goal line technology but what really mattered they'll still probably go to the uh, world cup anyway um yeah. i mean but for the euros they you know you just talk through that they're 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 as good a match as england now for the tournament aren't they if not they better are, really very- better probably they have very, got a very strong squad. I and mean, when you've got a quali- player of the quality of Yao Felix yep. you know, on, the, on the bench, that's a pretty good sign because he's yeah. an absolute top-class player yeah. and could get in a top-four Premier League team easily. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, they're definitely very, very strong. Yeah. And, of course, you've still got Ronaldo and he still turns it on in big games. He's yeah. still got, he's still, you know, still a top player. You can't, you can't, Right off any team with him in the team. No. So uh Portugal are very, very strong. Yeah. yeah. Definitely one of, the, one of the teams to watch in the Euros for sure. I'm excited uh, to watch how they do actually. I mean, they are, as you say, brilliant blend of youth and, and, and experience. And that and that experience will only serve the the youth well, you'd imagine. Um also actually, Germany's little Renaissance, they they've not had the best of times in the past few years, but I mean it's interesting because Jurgi Lowe will be this will be his final tournament. Um, and he's been there forever. It seems to be honest with you, he's been there for so, it, almost like Vicente del Bosque for for Spain. He was there for a very very long time as well. 
um, almost too long. You get the sense with that with uh, Lur as well a little bit, I think. But has a really good chance going into this um, going into this Euros because in a ta- I mean the midfield, the midfield. I mean Kimmich, Crows, Goretzka. Then go a bit further forward, and you've got Gundogan, yeah, uh, Havertz, Werner, albeit slightly out of form for Chelsea, but still great options. Uh, Gnabry, Sane, Royce. Um, I mean, it's incredible. And, and Muller's retired. It's a shame, actually. I, I, I do think that they could do with a Thomas Muller, to be honest, sometimes, yeah. because they, they, he's, he's phenomenal. And uh, it's a shame, really. I, I think I think Lowe wanted to, because he pushed Hummels out as well, didn't he? He wanted to really, and Boateng, I think. Oh, no, Boateng might still be there. We definitely pushed Hummels out. I think Muller as well. He wanted to go with a bit of a clean slate with, with, the, with the old guard and in with the new. Uh, there's danger in doing that to an extent because some of the old guard could help the, the new, really. Um, but yeah, James, I mean, you were sort of nodding your head there. You've got two gems of it in attack, albeit they haven't quite been gems for Chelsea yet. But, you know, for Germany, they, they, you'd expect that they could probably do a good job for the national team in the summer. Well, Germany have got a lot of quality right through this squad. I mean, all those names you listed off, yeah, it's just it's just top quality through that squad, and a lot of it is young as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, talk about Kai Havertz. He's only what twenty one, twenty two. Yeah, he's going to get better, and he. I think in German football they see him playing a very similar role to Müller. Yeah, yeah, kind of that kind of false nine, half ten kind of role coming in behind a striker. Uh, he's certainly got the ability to do it. Uh, and yeah, they'll be definitely one to watch without any question. And you can never write off Germany in major tournaments. No, never. No. They're just, they're, they just always seem to show up. They've got the right mentality. And yeah, uh, just historically, they're always really good in tournaments. So yeah, absolutely. Um, another very strong team. Obvious weak spot, I suppose, is defence. I mean, in goal, they've got two of the best five in the world, which is a nice, nice, good, um, Good option for choices, especially when you look at England's options compared to Germany. In my opinion, the best keeper in the world in Neuer, and then and then one of the best five in in Tostegen as well. Um, and then, but it is the defense. I mean, Rudiger, Rudiger's probably. I mean, Rudiger's had a bit of a renaissance for Chelsea, but it will be in probably in a. I mean, they've actually flirted with about three at times. Germany um, under under Lur, uh recently, uh, mixed results. Um, I don't think they have the wing backs. I think the, the full yeah. backs are wing backs are the, the big issue, aren't they? That's I mean, it. I think they played Emery Emery Khan at left back uh, over this break, which oh, is a bit of a, uh, a worry. I mean, he's played centre back for Dortmund this season quite a bit, but uh, as a left back, I don't think that's something that can really really yeah. suit him. Yeah. I think that that's the big weak spot in particular. Yeah, Emre Emre Khan, Emre Chan, whatever whatever you want to call him, maybe not. Um, maybe Emre not Khan. Emre Khan. Yeah. Anyway, um, so no, I, I, I think I think it'd be interesting if England played Germany at some point in the Euros. I think that'd be a very interesting um, tussle. Mm. Um, I, again, I, I suppose. I, well, no, actually, defense really isn't England's weak point anymore. Maybe goalkeeper is to a point because you've not got the all-round nature of the Germans there. Uh, midfield. To be honest, Germany's midfield is better than England's. Fantastic. <laughs> um, but it'd be a really interesting battle because you, their attack arguably isn't isn't quite as I mean, Kane's better than any German forward. And Sterling in form, 
and Sancho in form and Rashford in form are arguably rival could rival what Germany have in those positions. So it would be interesting to see that. But you're right, I think there, Jordan, the midfield of Germany is really, and it has always been because Kroos has been around for a long time. Schweinsteiger as well, when he used to uh, play there. They've had some form when he was. In his swan song as a defensive mid as well. Kadira as well. They've had some phenomenal options in there. Really, really, really good. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they do. Interesting with uh, Frank De Boer in the Netherlands, though, James. I mean, Jose Mourinho once called him the worst manager in the Premier League and everyone went, ooh, it's a bit harsh. He does have a 0% um, win record and a 0% draw record, 100% loss record. Would have been a quicker way of saying it. Um, but he... Yeah, he, he does seem to be a bit. He did really well at Ajax when he when he when he took over charge of the of the Ajax team and hasn't really found hasn't really found success elsewhere. I mean, they lost four two to Turkey, but they won recently. They got some phenomenal. Um, they got some phenomenal defensive options actually with with Van Dijk who's injured and and obviously you got De Vrij and De Ligt. I mean that centre back pairings. Was 150 million to Lichten Van Dijk when they're when they're fully uh, fully fit or there or thereabouts. Um, you got some other wonderful players like De Jong, uh, Van der Beek where he can play, uh, Memphis. But does Frank de Boer feel you? I mean, does any national team manager fully fill you with complete confidence? Because I read, when France won the World Cup with Didier Deschamps. I was never really convinced by his negative brand of football that got them to the title. Is there a point that most of the international managers are international managers because they weren't fancied by enough clubs? Well, Jacob Lowe is a very, very good coach, very, very good manager. Um, I think his record is pretty good. It's just Germany manager, isn't it? So Yeah, that's fair, fair. But um but I know what you mean. Yeah, I mean Southgate. You know yeah. what, what club? What top club in England does he get to manage? Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if he gets in above any any of the top top teams. Maybe maybe over Solskjaer, possibly. But uh, but you leave Ollie yeah. alone. <laughs> and then you've got uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Deschamps. Deschamps had a successful club career before he managed France. He got he got Monaco to the Champions League semi-finals. Mm. Um, I think he managed Juventus as well. He's not, he's definitely not a bad manager, no. but he's and he's obviously he's won the World Cup, so you can't, you can't no. say he's a bad manager. No, 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 no. Um, I, I feel like what I'm trying to say is not, not, saying, yeah, it's not, a good like, point. not like the creme de la creme because the most sought after people with the style, with the tactical nails, with everything well, most of them are in the Premier League actually, but um, you know, they it's almost like the the job you get if you've had your time in club management or the job that you get if you're seeking something new or, or in some people's cases or the, the starting point for a managerial career because you, that, that, that's sort of a testing point, Ryan Giggs, even Phil Neville with the women's national team. Um, and it's also a fair point that I think about, really. When Gareth South, when you, you, you actually talked, James, before about building a system, you said you, you have to have two systems to go into a, a tournament, which I think is fair enough. But... How hard is it to build two systems when you have so such a limited amount of time with the players that, that come and that come and get you? I think Southgate's major point actually at the last at the last World Cup was that he only ever really got them to play in that kind of back three build ups uh, shape, three four three kind of. He only got them to play like that because 
they only they were only able to learn a system fluently enough one for that tournament. So I don't know what what do you think about that? Do you think it's difficult to integrate tactics across uh, an international scene? I do think that's true. That's a very good point yeah. because you don't get as much time on the training field. That's as simple as that. You know, like um, Premiership or well, league managers get they get a whole pre a whole month with their team every you know, every day in pre season, and then they get they get them two or three times during the week. So there's plenty of time for them to work on different formations, different tactics, and to implement those tactics. Whereas an international manager gets them for about a week or two every few months. Yeah. So that's very difficult. Yeah. Uh, but I think they've mastered that thing. In terms of England, they've, they've, they've got that three at the back down. They played it at the World Cup. They've yeah. been playing it a lot since. So yeah. you can see why he's tried the four at the back in a couple of games, because it means that I mean, they don't, they don't need to kind of keep practicing the, the three at the back because they're pretty proficient in it. And some of them play it for their clubs. So playing a couple of games with four at the back is probably a good idea. And again, some of them play it for their club. So mm. they're not unfamiliar with the back four system anyway. Yeah. Only, the, only, the only issue is the chemistry of the players playing it because uh, if they haven't played it together, then yeah. that makes it harder when they do play it together because they yeah. won't have developed that on-pitch chemistry, which is actually really, really important. So, yeah, it's a good point, but I think there are... I think with England, there's a, there's an element of they can afford to try out other formations because they've got that three at the back kind of nailed down, and they also have played it quite a lot, the players that are going to the tournament. So yep. they know it, they know each other, they know each other's movements. Yep. Uh, so, they can, so, yeah, trying the four at the back now is probably a good idea. Um, it won't take them long to learn it because most of them know it already. Now, a forward back system, it's just learning it with each other. Yeah, and putting that chemistry on the pitch. Yeah, I mean, so, Jordan, yeah. do, you, do you also agree with my uh, my summation that the lack of time you can have with the players on the training ground may be a bit off-putting for some of the creme de la creme managers? Yeah, absolutely. It's kind yeah. of it's one of those jobs that you you go into knowing it's almost like a part-time job. That's that's exactly why Sam you, Allardyce. You know all about that. As do you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly why Sam Allardyce took it on. And <laughs> I just think, yeah, there's there's no manager that's in the prime of his career that's going to take that on. I forgot about my own circumstances when I did that as well. Literally. Um, so yeah, no, I, th- I think it's I think it's a fair point. And um, and and just on, just on a lasting note, then who would your who, one word answer for both uh, for both questions? Um, winner of Euro 2020 and Dark Horse. Who's going to go first? Uh, I'll do. I'll go first. Winner. Um, I fancy Portugal. Fancy Portugal. Um, Dark Horse. Um, no, what, for for Nichel, I'll I'll say Switzerland. I knew you were going to do yeah. that. I knew it. Euro week. Yeah. I think England are going to win it, and I think they'll be the dark horse. No, well. you don't. No, okay. Thank God, James. Well, I think France. I just can't slip past their squad. It's so strong. You just look at their under twenty-one squad and how strong that is. Yeah, um, yeah. It's strong. Think, you know, that's going to be very difficult to see past them. Mm-hmm. Dark horses, England. Yeah. What's if we turn up, if we play well, we play to our potential. Yep. And England can go far in the tournament. Fantastic. Okay, wonderful. Uh, Smashing. Okay. We will be back next week for topics again. 15 minutes or 
less or approximately or more. Yeah, covering all bases there. And we will be on uh, followers at 15 Moth Pod, 15 Minutes of Football Pod, uh, for tweets. 96% will be me or some might be children. Uh, there you go. So join us. Uh, please follow that and listen to us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, all that good stuff. Pick a preference, subscribe. You know, re- we, we appreciate subscriptions. So take care, stay safe, and uh, see you next week with another episode. Thank you, guys. Take care.